When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com if you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com that's terryryan2020 at gmail.com Episode 62 of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan Jr. Hope everybody's doing all right. Enjoying the summer. And congrats to the Seattle Kraken. My old, I uh, lived in Washington State, just down the road from Seattle in Tri-Cities, rich in Richland, sorry, Pasco, Kennewick. Some of the best years of my life, and uh, I think people are going to enjoy it. Seattle, I have no doubt, is going to sell out. If anybody not familiar with the area um, hasn't been informed, they've had a junior hockey team for a long time named the Seattle Thunderbirds, and uh, we would play there in junior uh, our rink was about 6,000. I think it held 6,500. Tri-Cities, a nice little junior rink, pro rink. Uh, but the Seattle at the time, the Seattle Supersonics were a basketball team in the NBA. I hear they're going to come back. But anyway, so um, the Thunderbirds would play most of their games in, I think they called it Keystone Arena, which was, uh, it was Key, Key Bank Center for a while. In any case, it's where the NBA team played, so... They would often get 12, 13, 14. I've seen more thousand people in uh, in Seattle to watch junior hockey. And they're very smart hockey fans. You wouldn't think it on the surface uh, about the Northwest USA, but it is a thriving uh, hockey, I won't say hotbed, but, you know, definitely the area has... When I lived out there, it was 
20, 25 years ago, and the fans were super, but hockey was, in Tri-Cities at least, was fairly new. I think I was there for the fifth. My first year was the fifth year of the franchise. And at that time, people would even cheer for offsides, and there was great pregame shows, things like that. But over time, they developed a great knowledge. And the Thunderbirds in Seattle were around a lot longer than that. They've always had, I mean, they go back. Hockey in Seattle goes back to like the roots, the, the original teams. I believe they won the Stanley Cup in the 20s or something. They at least challenged for it. So, I mean, I live in Newfoundland, which is, I mean, most of you know, but is probably, I mean, as far away as you can get in North America, right, from Seattle. So a lot of people don't realize how, how, uh, knowledgeable their hockey fans are and how, how great the base is going to be and what an area i love it there i really do it gives me great peace of mind the pacific northwest uh, a lot of fond memories in our league at the time of course there was from uh, that area was uh, tri-cities then there was spokane washington about an hour and a half north they were in our division tacoma which is now the Kelowna rockets used to be the Tacoma Rockets. Tacoma is a suburb of Seattle, basically the same place. Then you had the Seattle Thunderbirds and you had the Portland Winterhawks in Portland, Oregon, uh, which wasn't far. We were about two and a half, three hours southeast of Seattle and northeast of Portland. Um, but it was a beautiful time in my life and I still love getting back. I'm really pumped for the people there. And I think I think it's going to be a hit. I think it's going to be a Vegas type of hit. Plus, the NHL know what they're doing. They wouldn't have got awarded a team if they thought there was any chance of it not becoming a hit. My guest today, Darcy Harris. What a guy. So, Darcy, meat and potatoes guy, although he's a better player than people give him credit for because in pro, he ended up being just a, a killer, a real tough guy. But... You know, 20 goals, 20 assists, and change in Kitchener. I met him in 1998 at camp, and he pretty much fought anybody that came his way. He earned himself a contract, ninth-round ninth pick. Uh, but we became real close, uh, just a fun-loving guy. Another guy from PEI, David Ling, last week. Well, Darcy's got – I mean, I don't think anybody is ever going to be quite Linger because he's uh, quite unique. But same Atlantic Canadian Islander attitude take no prisoners and uh, fun in the dressing room, that sort of thing. Anyway, but Darius worked his way onto our team in Fredericton and was an awesome dude. Fought some tough guys like Sean Thornton and, and well, uh, God, Troy Crowder. I remember that one when he fought Troy Crowder. Now Crowder, for those of you that don't know, was a opponent, a, a frequent opponent of Bob Probert who many consider the toughest mother ever. And uh, so, you know, pitcher, everybody knows the, the story of me fighting Ty Domi, which, you know, was kind of a mismatch, but I'm not taking any credit away from Darcy, but it felt like even that much and more when he fought Crowder because Crowder is huge too, and he was in his 30s, I think. And Darcy just clawed his way onto the team. He'd never played pro before. It was his first year. And, I mean, Crowder had played in the NHL for the most part and was down in the A at the end of his career. And, you know, going through, the, I won't say going through the motions. He was doing his job. He wouldn't have been fighting. But, you know, I'm sure 
I can't really remember, but it was one of the last couple of years that Troy Crowder played, but still real tough. Darcy had just a great tilt in Fredericton with him. And uh, we ended up living right next to each other on Frederick Lane. That, that's a story. I won't get into all of it now. I'll let Darcy explain it. But uh, got dealt a couple of injury blows and decided to take a year off. And then he went back to university, played at UPEI and did fairly well. Played three years there. Played with Joe Ward before Joe Ward was Joe Ward. There's another story we'll get into as, uh, as I talk to Darcy. Fascinating when players go from the Canadian university circuit to the NHL in a relatively short time. Within two years after Ward left PEI, he was playing uh, the Minnesota Wild. And then, of course, had a great career. But anyway, Darris went back and got his teachings as a, as a teacher now, got his education degree and worked on his master's. And he came over here to Newfoundland to get it. So three years at UPEI. And then right around when I was, uh, I had to retire there, as, as you know, my ankle injury in Orlando and <clears throat> what well, happened in Dallas. But anyway, I was coming back here and living with my parents right off of pro. I was that for a dagger. But uh, Darius also went to Memorial University, which is here in Newfoundland, to for his last year of schooling. So he lived with us. So um, he's always been close to the family anyway. But uh, we were... Uh, we shared some great moments together. Speaking of PEI, a lot of uh, a lot of you fans of the podcast often say that you'd love to visit Newfoundland, and you know I'm pretty vocal about Newfoundland. I'm really proud of where I'm from, but I'm uh, you know equally as proud when I travel the world of Atlantic Canada, and I like being part of it because it's a great little thing we got going on. And PEI is just one of my favorite spots to ever visit. Um, and, and all of PEI, get friends all over. It's a small place anyway, but when I say it, because Charlottetown is the biggest center, I think Charlottetown's like 50,000, but um, it doesn't, not, nowhere has a, it, it doesn't have a big city vibe or anything. I mean, it's, it's only 50 or 60,000 people, but it's vibrant. That's the word. And people are generally happy and they like, simple pleasures kind of thing. Don't confuse that with stupidity either. Very educated place, PEI. Uh, but I just mean that, you know, it's people are happy, right? There's, there's the beach. There's a lot of outdoorsy things to do. Uh, golf. There's a lot of golf there. People like to go fishing. Sports are big. Family. Family's big. They got... Uh, some great beaches and golf courses jump to mind, but it's the people, you know, it's the people. The PEI is a spot that you just haul into any diner on the side of the road, grab a paper and a coffee, or equally if it's supper time, maybe a, a pint. Uh, but you're going to get good stories uh, from people that generally seem to be smiling. So I've always really enjoyed my time there and I go out of my way. So uh, highly recommended if you haven't been there, PEI. Without further ado, this is a um, pretty, pretty uh, short preamble, but I'm a busy dude and Darcy's waiting for me on the other end. So why prolong that? Let's get Darcy on and then we'll have a chat afterwards. Darcy, the animal Harris coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, 
My next guest hails from O'Leary PEI and was selected by the Habs in the 1998 NHL entry draft after starring for the Summerside Western Capitals of the Maritime Junior League and then the Kitchener Rangers of the OHL. He earned himself an NHL contract after his first camp as a result of hard work, focus, and a big right hand. After a three-year pro career that saw him go toe-to-toe with the likes of proven heavyweights like Troy Crowder, Sean Thornton, and Brandon Sugden, this student of the game became a student in the classroom and took his talents to UPEI where he earned an education degree. Now he uses that degree to pass along his accumulated knowledge and is a school teacher back home on the island. He is a tough cat, a rink rat, a big puncher, a bone cruncher, a true scholar with a blue collar, played with danger and the Kitchener Rangers. Have no doubt he could knock you out. Want to hear more? He could also score. Wouldn't you know, he had 20 in the O. Breakfast is ready. Oh, he played in Freddie. He scored against Dal and is still my pal. He has a nice ring and knows David Ling. Folks, if you want to see France, I suggest Paris. And please, while you're at it, welcome my buddy, Darcy, the animal, Harris. How are you, Darcy? I'm great. Love the intros. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, if anybody, deserves it. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Life couldn't be better. You uh, still teach, and I said that because I know you started teaching. I haven't talked. Well, I, we, we speak once in a while, but I didn't ask you. The last update was a year ago about in PEI at a golf tournament. So how has the last year been, and are you still teaching, and are you still skating? Uh, both, yeah, still teaching, till, still skating. Uh, it's not going to lie, probably been the, the roughest year of my life. We had quite a quite a goal at my high school. Uh, teaching was going to be tough anyway with COVID and everything, and then uh, – in the in the fall, we had a, an unfortunate boat accident at my school. Two two of my leadership students, who I coach in hockey, they they passed, and there was one survivor in the boat accident. Now it's my nephew, so uh, it was a rough go. And then the week following, another young fellow lost his life. Another grade twelve graduating would have would have been graduating student lost his life in a car accident. So we had a rough go at school, but we made it through. And the kids were awesome, and the staff was awesome, and the community was awesome, and so we somehow managed to make it through. And there's light in the other end of the, of the the dark side, I guess. So, wow, that is, a, you know what? I didn't even know that. There you go. So, no, what? So, it's, been, it's like separate accidents for a small place accident. like PEI to have that much tragedy. That is just crazy, man. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure it'll pull everybody together, and there is positives to take out of having to go through that, as they say, what yeah. doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But oh man, that that is just horrible to hear. Um, yeah, and leadership students, not, as not, you said. <laughs> oh, two of them, and just they were great. They were good hockey players. Um, great kids. They torture the, they torture the shit out of you. They were they were just the your typical boys, right? Like they, uh, oh man, they were smart. They were well behaved, polite, respectful kids, brought up the right way. But uh, they just loved to stir the pot and torture you all the time too. I, I miss them both. They're both good. They were good family friends. I know their parents well, and, and played hockey with with Alex's dad and. Yeah, Alex Hutchison and Ethan Riley, they'll, uh, they'll never be forgotten, that's for sure. So, Darcy, did they have brothers or sisters? Uh, so Alex was an only child. Oh, uh, Ethan, Ethan had a sister. Um, and then the young fellow, Cole Rayner, the next week lost his life in the car accident. He had two <laughs> younger brothers, and, and one of them just took his life here a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, it's been a rough go in our small community, Terry. You've been here. It's not a – we're not a big community. There's, there's like – 
four or five small towns that all we might make up 15,000 people in the area. So we all go to the same high school and Man. yeah, it's been hard. Very hard see, not only life. that, and on, t- on top of it all, the, the blanket, the negative blanket of a cloud that is COVID, like on top of all that, um, which yeah. probably had something to do with it. I, I don't know the ins and outs of what happened, but um, at least with the suicide, who knows? Um, but I just, it's funny because in the preamble, the, the one thing I stressed is that how much I love PEI because everybody seems to be friendly is one thing, but they seem to be yeah. smiling a lot. People, it, it's probably the, the, the unofficial to me, capital of the world. And chirping each other, having a good time. Um, you know what I mean? Just it, it's just a real oh, of camaraderie. It, the whole island is like a hockey dressing room. If I, if if that makes any sense. Uh, whereas you all feel like a unit. Um, you kind of rip each other while loving each other, and everybody seems to know each other's business in a good way, right? Yeah, it kept us honest during COVID. You couldn't go out when we we're on lockdown because your neighbors had known. They tell everybody. So <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's just yeah, remind, honestly, that's that's why I love my time in Newfoundland so much. When I went to school there, I just it's very much. I found St. John's very much like like home. You know, people yeah. are friendly and, and and genuinely care. You know, you meet somebody in the street and you say hi, and they look you in the eye and they say hi back. It's, it's uh, uh, no, I I honestly I, I think the same, and I, I mentioned it more than once on this podcast, including right before you came on. So listen. Um, from O'Leary, and O'Leary is tiny. You said your area is fifteen thousand, but actually, yeah. how many people live in O'Leary, where you were, where you were, you're from, your hometown? Uh, there's about twelve hundred to fifteen hundred people. <laughs> so, as far as minor hockey went, I'm guessing there's. I, I mean, I really don't know. I've been to PEI many times. I don't recall going to a rink in O'Leary. There, there is a rink. We won Craft Hockeyville a couple of years ago, actually. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. so now so you got three one. Three years ago. So where did you? What was your path? I know most, most assume, you know, I, I, I go over there so much that I don't ask you about your own, like, were you a star growing up? Did you drive where I So we're the way it is over here we, during my time, when I was coming through, every small town had their own minor hockey system. Um, we didn't have any, there was no triple a in my area until probably, uh, I think Bantam triple a was the first. So, uh, we didn't come together as kind of like a little small region until triple a. So I played Bantam triple a, we hosted the, the, uh, what was it called then? The, uh, Irving oil challenge cup, um, in Bantam. Pure later cup, Bantam wasn't AAA. it? So we had, uh, I think by the time I had it, it was Irving oil. I thought it was Irving challenge cup. But yeah, you're right. Um, your, and we had it was uh, like Colin White, John Sim. They were on the Picto team that won it all. Um, we 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 were all right. We were the host. We weren't great, but then uh, played midget AAA. There was no major midget like there is now in PEI at the time. So there was I think six teams in PEI and midget AAA. Played one year there. Then I went to Summerside. Played major, like you said, uh, Maritime Junior with the Caps. Uh, Gerard Gallant retired that year, came home, started coaching. So we actually coached the second half of the season. So that was, you know, it was unreal. You get to be coached by somebody yeah. of that caliber straight out of the NHL. Um, learned a lot from him. Uh, I Is think he a good guy? A big part to play him. Oh, great guy. You can't ask for a better guy. Um, Sorry to jump in. Is, he is, he's a good fellow. Like, no, like, no, 
in the room was, was, you know, could you tell right away? Like, I mean, he played in the NHL all those years, but in the room, I've heard that he's a player's kind of player or player's kind of coach. Is this true? Oh, yeah, very true. Very true. He's not, uh, he has Mike Kelly, who was another island guy, great, great mind. Mike Kelly would be more of the X's and O's guys. I, yeah. X's and O's guy, I would think. And Turk is, Turk is the, the player's coach. He gets the most out of his players. And um, he was amazing. He, he was, uh, he was like a friend to me before he actually coached me. He would, and when I was a midget, he would, he lived in Summerside, about 40 minutes from here. Every summer he'd drive up, uh, yeah, one of those stationary bikes, computerized stationary bikes. And he'd be telling me to get on the bike and I got to start training and I'd skate with him in the summers. And, um, he helped me along, got me to Kitchener. Uh, okay. There you go. That was your coming next anyway. So yeah. he got you, he helped get, get you to Kitchener. What do you mean? Were you drafted? Did you have your eyes on the prize? Were you scoring 300 goals a year and said, so this kid got to no. go or, you know what I mean? Well, you are a good player. That's the underrated part. And people don't realize when you go and a major junior, it starts, you just do whatever they tell you. So, yeah. you know, so, no. so how was you it? Know I wasn't scoring 300 goals anywhere. But <laughs> I, uh, when I was in, uh, Summerside, I played alongside another guy, you know, Morgan Warren. Yeah. Fellow Newfoundland, is he not? I think Morgan lives over there now. Morgan lives over here. You heard about Morgan, though. He, he, he yeah, cancer a few he, years ago. He beat it. He beat yeah. it. And, I mean, you, you yeah. knock on wood here and everything. He's great. Looks awesome. Coaches minor hockey. Ran into him the other day with Donnie Goss. They're running a hockey camp. Boys look Donnie phenomenal. Goss. Morgan, Morgan, smiling, loving life. So he's doing great for those that don't know. So Morgan was on that team with us and he was, he was younger than I, I was second year midget. I, I pretty sure he was second year Bantam playing Maritime junior league, which at the time was pretty tough. There was yeah. a lot of older players there. Um, so some scouts were coming down. They were mostly looking at Morgan. Right. But then a few of them started to take note. Turk would talk, Gerard Glant would talk to them and say, Hey, you know, this Harris kid's still, he's only second year midget. He's only like really next year's first year junior. If you're interested in him too, tough and can play. And he, he was started you know, spreading the word. And uh, Bob Ertl was a GM in Kitchener at the time. And his son, Tyler Ertl, was playing at UPEI for the Panthers. So he'd come down to see his son play and then would watch Morgan and I. And, and he spread the word to Kitchener that the, uh, he, I guess, with the scouts and got them watching me a little more closely. And, and I ended up in Kitchener. So. Now, when they say tough, it's hard to judge a kid. You know, you're tough when you hit. But were you fighting early on like did they see that and then you went i only say this because honestly i'm not kidding you. i'm not saying it because you're there if you didn't drop the gloves at all i think you would have been a fantastic third liner on any team uh and your stats in the ohl definitely backed that up 20 goals 20 assists perfect that's exactly what that's the prototypical year from a guy that you want out there if and you're good defensively um yeah now did they see that coming or, or were you were you already dropping the mitts then in pei before you left I did. I had fought a few times there. I and my own doing. I know early on in the season there was a guy, I think Macintosh, if I'm not mistaken. He played with Halifax, was supposed to he was an overager, he's fairly tough and you know, I don't know, we lined up. I just I thought I'd try to fight him. So I give him a whack in the foot and asked him to go and he wanted to go. So we fought and I I did fine. Um a few other times. I remember Turk when he he come back and started coaching us. We we're playing the Abbeys, and I know you were talking about Forby Kennedy with Linger last uh, your last yeah. episode. And um, Forby, I got a guy in uh, Ryan Keenan, I believe was his name. He was an overager from the OHL, and he was supposed to be tough. And his first game, 
was Caps Abbey's. So Summerside Caps, Charlottetown Abbey's big rivalry, two island teams in the Maritime And uh Keenan was kind of running around and Turk told me, You go over and tell him to settle down or someone's gonna tear his head off. Not you, don't do it. Somebody else is gonna tear his head off. So I go over and straight in front of their bench. Benches are on the opposite side of the old Cal Stadium. And I go over and I said, uh, Keenan, settle down. Someone's going to tear your head off. And Forby heard me, fight him now, Harris, fight him now. So uh. <laughs> right there. And I, I held my own and toe to toe with him. Um, we had the ferry back then. Bridge wasn't built. So uh, mm. run into him on the ferry. The Abbeys and Caps were both in the ferry coming home from different different games one night. And uh, we were sitting in the cafeteria on the, on the old Abbey. And uh, – that we got talking and, and he's like, you're only, you're 16. Like he said, I thought you were like 17, 18 years old. I didn't know you were 16, but um, he said, you, you go pretty good. You give me all I could handle. And anyway, I, I fought a few times. Yeah. Before I ever went to Kitchener, but um, I didn't really intend to, I knew going there that I was going to have to fight, but I didn't, I didn't really think I was going to be, I don't know if you call me a heavyweight. I didn't. I might have weighed 195 pounds. So well, you were fighting heavyweights. You know, it's yeah. very, very similar. Your fight card is the same sort of fight card mine is. Mid, but but you know, we could fight the heavyweights, and yeah. the more we did it, I mean, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but people often ask me like for like tips, say kids that are going to junior. I know there's not as much now, but they're like, you know, I still want to know how to defend myself, and I'm like, it's wild, because back then it was just like you just described that fight. And after like five or six, you just automatically know where to grab. Like, you know, yeah. I didn't think about anything. But then looking back on it, there are certainly lots of things you can do to help yourself. And we kind of did them. Yeah. But you learn them. No one teaches you. You just learn it by, hey, man, if someone like that guy you just mentioned, Keenan, uh, in junior, I don't know, Kale Hulse. I'm trying to think of the tough guys that I fought early on. You, you'll you learn if there's you know, a, a, a 50 pound hammer coming at your face, you know, you're, you're going to learn how to dodge it and give yourself yeah. the best opportunity. Um, so when you went up, cause some of your OHL fights, I don't know what years these are, but especially the Sugden ones, for those that don't know, go to YouTube, Brandon Sugden, Darcy Harris. These are knock them down, drag them out. These would be, Oh God, the biggest rivalries ever in the NHL at the toughest time. I can think uh, Bruins, uh, Bruins Habs. It's that style. It's like Stan Jonathan going Larry Robinson or some shit. You guys are going. So yeah. by those fights, you must have realized, okay, like, and the other thing is, Darcy, when you're playing on a team, it's often, you know, who else is going to do this? Like, you know, you look around and say, okay, like, I know that I, I, I know I can do decent with him and he just hit the goalie. So it's almost like if you got the balls, you might as well go for it. So what point did you start having confidence dropping your mitts in the O? Uh, pretty early on. I, uh, exhibition, I had a few, few good fights in exhibition, but, uh, it was mostly early, early on. We, Guelph was our big rivalry. They're literally, literally down the road. So, uh, they had Bootland was in, in, uh, Guelph. So, uh, Nick Bootland, anyway, Daryl. Nick, yeah. Oh, Nick, Nick Bootland, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I played with anyway, Nick in, was, uh, I played with Nick in Hershey and yeah. Jesus. Oh, you, Cincinnati. Keep Bob, going. Did you not? You fight him? No, you fought Buchanan. I think we were at Hershey one night. Oh God, I didn't know he was a lefty. I was, just, and the only, the only reason is because Ash, I can't remember. I can't. Ash, there was some reason he wanted to fight Ash, and I think Ash was getting called up, and we all knew it. It was, it was something like that. So I was like, you know, don't hurt your hand. I'll, I'll just go and 
you know, I'll, I'll fight him and it'll be over. And uh, he fucking, <laughs> I had no idea he was a lefty. And that would have been big information oh, yeah. to know because yeah. he was big and tough. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bootman, I fought him early on. Um, and he was supposed to be pretty tough. Yeah, he was. Gamer. I did did fine. Hung in. I don't even say hung in there. It was, it was a great fight. We went toe to You know, you've seen me fight a lot. Yeah. I don't usually hang on a whole lot. I Love them, throw yeah. Like Cannon. Um, in the oh yeah, after that, I, I kind of when I went there, I don't know if it's because you know, kid from a small town, PI. I don't know. I just everything to me was. I took everything as a challenge. Um, I just was like, I'm I'm so out. I'm from PI. See if you can take the puck from me. See if you can knock me down. See if you can knock me out. I don't care. Like I just everything was a challenge. So I didn't really. I never really had any fear. There was nobody really in the O that I was that I was scared of. Um, I just kind of took everything as a challenge see what's you know and a and few times i remember like jeff's air in the penalty box in windsor and he didn't want to fight i'd kind of done something he was not really wanting a piece of me and he got in the penalty box he goes i'm not you're from the east coast i'm not fighting you he said oh, you guys are nuts and i kind of like that that little yep. bit of it kind of having yep. that little bit of a that little bit of an edge on you know people thinking i oh, don't know what he's going to do just you know kind of give him give him some space but yeah the, the heavyweights they they would they didn't give me any space. They, <laughs> you know, you're. Uh, but you do get respect. John Erskins and them fellas, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you do get respect. They might not give you space, but I love that part of it too. I love, oh, yeah. you know, after the game or going to the penalty box and saying, you know, like that guy's a tough motherfucker, and you know what? Yeah. He has respect for me, and everybody here. There's something about it, and the other thing, Darcy, about your fights when you just said, you know, you were pretty good at it. This, this is the thing. It, it, there's reasons to fight. There's all kinds of reasons within a game, within a certain narrative. You could be, it could be playoffs. Someone could have gone after your goalie. Someone could have hit your best player. Someone could have, you could just be pissed off that night and you need a goal. Back when we played, that was part of it. Motivation and, and, and uh, momentum, momentum for sure. But as far as settling a score, I always found, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you have the same mindset, but it's one thing if someone hits your player and like Sylvain Bluen, go out and fight him. Right. And he'll fight him eventually. And Silva would wrestle and wrestle. And I'm not knocking, but you know, if you know him, he's a really, really tough guy, big guy. And that's what he did. But with the team, I love it because, you know, you sly when it, but I used to like having the whole building stand up and just, you know, here, okay, chug your beer because Harris is going to go tonight, you know, and as you're doing it, there's a, you know, because part of it for me is getting the fans into it, getting everybody up and both teams are, oh, the whole, sometimes, you know, the, the fight happens, the sticks uh, tap, um, the fans are going mad, everybody's standing up. I find it equally as, I don't want to say important, but as effective, a momentum gainer or changer or whatever you're talking about as much as, um, say, revenge for your teammates, which is a great thing. I just prefer the way you did it because afterwards you could hear the people. There was a literal buzz in the rink, right? So yeah. is that part of your plan or were you just like, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. Uh, and if that means wrestle, but I mean, I don't remember you wrestling. I didn't wrestle a whole lot. No, I, I, uh, I rarely had a stage fight. Like rarely had a fight where, you mm. know, you lined up and you knew you were going to go with somebody. It was mostly come out of something. Or like you said, if you, you look at the score, we're down by two or three, you start of the third, you, you kind of need a boost. Just go grab somebody and throw, <laughs> go toe-to-toe yeah. -to -toe and get some life back in the building. And, you know, if you get lucky and you win one, then, you know, your team's up and away you go. You never know, you might get a 
like fire the boys up and make it a goal out of it or something. So it can't usually hurt un- unless you're going to go out. You know, if, if you get pumped though, the way I look at it, if you get pumped, you're losing by two or three anyway, right? Yeah. It, it's worth the try. And if nothing else, like you, that's why I used to like fighting guys that were either on paper supposed to be tougher, like Tom Tidomi or yeah. bigger, like when you fought Troy Crowder, because I, I find it a win-win. Because both, yeah, if nothing else, the other team goes, Jesus Christ, you know, did you yeah. fucking see that? Ryan just took on fucking Frank Bialois. And that's yeah. scary. For someone that, even if I get shit kicked, that's scary for the fifth guy down the row. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. You, you, didn't, you didn't have a whole lot to lose when you tackled somebody bigger, so. The, the other thing is uh, coming from Atlantic Canada. I used to just go over. I loved playing the Western League and go, what up, boys? Anybody wants to go on me? I'm fucking ready. Right at center. Fucking I don't. And, and then, then turn your, you know, even put an exaggeration and you can hear people going, who the fuck is that? There, there's something to be said about being crazy and tough too, right? Now, yeah. not that either one of us are, but we got that Atlantic Canadian <laughs> attitude and people know it. <laughs> Uh, and maybe we are crazy as subjective, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Who are your biggest influences growing up then? I mean, it got to be some of the guys we oh, mentioned. Man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think growing up home, like obviously my parents were, were great. They loved me everywhere and dad had a big part to play in my, my hockey. But um, Gerard Gallant early on, he was great early on. And Dave Cameron. Dave Cameron just named yesterday, I think, the Ottawa 67s, next world junior coach. He already had a crack at them before. And you played for Dave. I love Dave. Um, yeah. Great, great uh, well, coach and very personable and would sit down oh, yeah. and it, it, put it this way. Ever notice a lot of people, me included now, they seem that you, you, you almost seem pressed for time. I had some coaches that, you know, they, they were nice, but, but Dave would like head this way. If you went to see him, yeah, just sit down, Terry, sit down. And we'd talk for two hours. It might just be about one breakout, but yeah, he, he had that. I'm a friend, but better respect me. But at the same time, let's talk about it and let's be comfortable with what we're doing here. We don't need to rush this. You got nowhere important to be. Let's go through it. Right. I love that about Dave. I learned a lot from him. Oh, he still he just lives uh, a little ways up the road from me, but he golfs at Mill River with us. And uh, I haven't golfed a whole lot with him. He, he's sleeping in more. He doesn't like to go as early. He does not out at 710 anymore. He's out at like 730, 740. So <laughs> I don't see him as much as I used to, but I uh, still see him around. And, and he still has all the time in the world for you. He's just, just a great guy, great teacher. Um, he was actually at my high school as a guidance counselor, believe it or not, um, when wow. I was going through high school after he had done finished playing pro hockey and then wow. get into coaching. And I remember in Peewee, he had taken, he, I never had him for a full year, but in Peewee, I told you before, we didn't have a triple a, they had started at Peewee triple a on the Island. So Summerside, Charlottetown, Pondalary, like the, there was a few teams, but up West, we didn't have one. We all played Peewee a. And so he took our small, like I said, our small region made it like an all-star team. And we played those triple a teams and he coached us. Um, taught us you know checking hockey that kind of stuff so um we had him for a little bit and he he taught me quite a bit so i was pretty fortunate early on to have you know two nhl coaches coach me before i ever before Amazing. i ever left the get to kitchener and had jeff ward you know jeff ward coached in calgary coached in new jersey you know. so they, they were early on they were big influences on me i can't i can't say the same for terry when we got to 
to Fredericton. Oh, yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Well, I won't put you on the spot. We can get at, the, get at that in a bit, but he's the worst coach I ever had. Without going further, the, the, by far, and I've had a lot, and the, the, by far the landslide worst coach, and you wouldn't think it because I came across him in pro. I'd rather fucking Derm Connolly from McDonald's Pee Wee team. I'm serious. Actually, Derm was pretty good, but but anyway, not to cut you off, we'll get into everything that is Michelle Terrian in a little bit. Keep going. You had some great coaches. That's fucking incredible. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Early on, I was, I was lucky. I had some good coaches. And uh, Jeff, there's you know, a few others. Chef Squires, he runs Gahan Brewery here now and runs Cavendish Beach Music Festival and everything, PEI Brew Company. But he, uh, he, was, he was a coach, great influence on me, Scott Bridges. Uh, they were all great coaches I had early on. Very, very fortunate. Um, you know, Pee Wee on to have, and even, even before that, minor hockey, some great their parents. But, you know, Ronnie... Ronnie, uh, Roddy Gamble and Silver Rainer and some of those guys, they were, they were just great. You had, we were very lucky to grow up in, in a small community where everybody knew each other, but with some really great people, um, who, you know, made you love the game. I can never remember coming home from the rink ever after practice, anything and being like, fuck that sucked. I hate, I hate going to the rink or yeah. I never, ever had that feeling. Always great experiences. Um, uh, so I coach my own kids now and that's, we really try to try to, keep that kind of i guess approach um yes we play competitive or play, my kids play in the top tiers but we don't you know it's, you want to win but you you want them to have more fun and and love the game more than anything because let's be honest there's not that many who are going to move on to mm. you know, the nhl or even play pro it's just about having a great experience with the game and passing that on hopefully down the road to people coming behind them so um i totally See where you're coming from there. And you know who I think is going to be a good coach? You know who I think? And did you see he just got the coach of the Laval Rocket? J.F. Houle, who we played with, Rajon's son. Yeah, yeah. He just, I saw it. Looks the same, but very well spoken. And I'm sure I would never, hopefully I can have money. I would never ask him. It's a very awkward thing. He, he played when we were there with Terry. And I, again, I certainly don't. I don't know their, all their relationships, and I don't think everybody in Montreal, without social media and everything, knew what was going on. In that Tarion just was a bit ignorant, you know what I mean? Like smoking on the bus and shit, without getting into anything personal. But JF played under that. We all did. And if yeah. nothing else, if nothing else, he might have helped me in this way. Everything you were describing, and, and when JF was interviewed yesterday, he said it's all positivity, and it's, you know, I don't want to yeah. ever be negative. I think that's the way I am. And more so than my coaches that were positive. The reason I know that part of it is in my head because I don't ever want anybody to look at me like Michelle Tarion. Like that yeah. scared me. I hated going to the rink. I, I used would count the time down. I hated it. I go in there early sometimes. You know me, I'll do cardio, but I hated the fucking gym. But I would go in early and go to the gym and pump iron just so I could avoid looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> but you um, know, and that is something to be said really about him that as much as we didn't have a great experience with him, I learned as much from him as I may have learned from You're other right. great coaches because you learn what maybe what not to do or what you, you know, what you should avoid doing. Um, You're right. There was some good things. It wasn't all bad with him, but uh, oh. unfortunately but, it weighed the positive. Jesse. Yeah, yeah. Was he not coach? He coached Granby, I think for a little while. Yeah, he did. He was, and he coached in Bakersfield out and like, I knew he was coaching pro and he, but he, yeah. you know, thinking back, thinking back on his, analyzing of the game before it was really a thing. And, you know, afterwards, I remember him talking about it a lot and really having a read on the players. It, like, I can't believe I didn't see it at the time. He's almost yeah. 
more cut out to be a coach than a player, yeah. even True. at that time, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. So, and the other thing too, Cheech, Cheech, yeah, coach, and then uh, he, he was with Chloe there in uh, New Jersey for a while. I don't know where they're both still at now, but um, him and Ryan Chloe are both assistant coaches. With, yeah, uh, he phoned uh, Cheech. Coach there, was name? Um, Which guy? Roly, Roly the goalie. Oh, Roly Melanson. Yeah, they were all assistant coaches with the Devils. They were actually for the Hockeyville game. It was Ottawa, New Jersey. So I got to got to. I was hoping that Cheech and Cheech and Jeff Ward was in New Jersey. Jesus, though, I knew them all except for the head coach. <laughs> what a small world it sounds like. We're, yeah, we're talking mean, about a wealth of, of junior and pro experiences, and the same five names are coming up. But Cheech, yeah, I didn't talk. I hadn't talked to Cheech, Alan Nazardine. That is, um, I don't know, for maybe eight or nine years, and he phoned. He phoned like uh, a year and a half ago. He just phoned out of nowhere. He was in the dressing room. And he said, you know, I, I came across your number and I figured I'd give you a call. Good of him to do it. We had some good times. Yeah. Oh, great guy. Oh, definitely. But, but listen, going back to the Tarion thing as well, I think a lot of that was calculated. You're right. He did do a lot. He knew the game well. And a few times I remember if it was one-on-one, like I remember once on the bus, him calling me up and he had like this article from that he was reading in the paper about the Beatles and he didn't like the Beatles, but he knew that I did. So he's like, you know what? I fucking hate this guy. I hated him, but he tried to find common ground once in a while. Yeah. Like the guy tried. And I know that. And I think some of it was against his nature. Some of it was, he was a prick. But the other thing is Darcy, he was a rookie coach and we were rookie players. So, yeah, I mean, true. he didn't get up to the NHL continuing to smoke on the bus and shit. I'm sure he didn't, <laughs> you know, like, so people learn and, I, I can easily look past it now. I easily, especially with, yeah. you know, my daughter and, and my life has gone in every weird direction and positive and more positive than anything. So, but I mean, he's still the worst coach I ever had, but there were, because of all that, I don't think that often, at least in my world, the good gets, get gets said about him, but he did really fucking know the game. <laughs> he really did. Yeah. Um, I, I, I got to say in his defense. Um, so, Gerard Gallant, like I mentioned before, uh, Turk, when I went to Montreal, ended up in Fredericton and, uh, Turk would always, he'd give me a call every now and then be like, what the, I see you, what are you doing? You were fighting, like fighting Crowder last night. You fought Oduya the other night. You yeah. don't have to be doing that. It's tearing you making you do that. Don't listen to him. Like he was, he wasn't a big Tarion fan. Um, but then they, they coached together in Montreal. Uh, yeah coached under Terry yep. and I asked him about him after and he said you know what he's changed a lot he, yeah. he's actually he's a better communicator now um he's he's settled down a bit he actually he had some Turk had some good things to say about him and if Gerard Land has something good to say about him then I'll you know I get the benefit of the doubt because you know I, I worship the ground that man walks on so um I take his word for it but still I agree with you as far as in that moment him coaching us that was one of my worst experiences was playing in the American league under him. This player you played against in the OHL, you go up there, you're all of a sudden now that's a little bit different. I love PEI. I love the Maritime league, but okay. That now this is the professional of junior. Yeah. Um, what are some of the memories like, you know, three years there, who'd you play against and, and, and how did they impress you? Yeah, two, just two. I only played two years there. Okay. I two. went up. With, uh, yeah. I ended up, I didn't go back. As for my overage, I stayed in Fredericton there. But um, yeah, memories. Geez, we had there was there were some good players in that league at the time. Um, guys who went on to have some great careers. Thornton to me always stood out. He was he was big and strong. 
and young. He was still young and big and strong. He could, if if you messed around, he'd tune you. <laughs> Did Thornty play any defense back then? Uh, you know what? I only seen him twice a year. Okay, so yeah, yeah. He was in the Sioux. Uh, but uh, I don't. Oh wait, I thought you were talking about Sean Thornton. Oh, oh no, sorry. Joe, Joe, Joe yes, uh, Jesus, he was in Sault Ste. Fucking Marie. It just seems he's he's yeah. nine hundred years old. It seems with a big oh, beard. No. So I, it, to me, he's been Rumpelstiltskin. He was playing in the twenties. Yeah. But you're right; he would have been a young guy playing in the Sioux when you were there. He was. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. We uh, a couple of years ago we were down visiting Joel Ward in San Jose, and we went in the room and run into Joe Thornton there. And there was a few of us who played against them who was, who were on the trip. And, uh, anyway, great chat. He chatted to us about the old OHL days. He had all the time in the world for us, but uh great guy, but he he stood out. Mark Savard was an excellent player in junior. Yeah. Uh, not to stop Tim Connolly played with, uh, yeah. Low for a while. He was pretty slick. Um, geez, there were, there was quite a few, there was guys who never really panned out Alex McCauley. Um, there were some great junior players there, but, uh, you mentioned the other Thornton, Sean Thornton. I remember lining up beside him in Peterborough one night. Yeah. I thought for sure we were going to go. And he just said, I had a fight a few nights before uh, the OHL game of the week. I can't remember who I fought the guy from. I know it was on TSN, actually. It was uh, Demonsky. Steve Demonsky and I had a good fight on TSN. And uh, he said, we lined up and he goes, great fight the other night. <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he he had the OHL game of the week. He had the, a fight. I think it was against Mark Morrill. And I said, yeah, you guys had a good one, too. And that was it. There was the only thing. We never fought that night. We did fight in the American League, but we never fought. Uh, I don't think we ever fought in junior. We had a pretty good one in the uh, American League. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I had um, two shifts that game. First first shift, I fought DJ Smith. And second shift, I fought Sean Thornton. At the peak of, of the AHL tough guy era yeah. with with the biggest rivalry in, in the oh, small yeah. burn in St. John's. I love that burn. What a burn. What a, you could you could as soon as you got to the ring you were out in warm up, and there was a buzz like like it was an NHL game. It's wild. We yeah. go playing Lowell, and it was like oh Jesus, get me out of here. But yeah. it just didn't have a hockey culture feeling, and you know what I mean. Like some yeah. of those places, Rochester did, but none like St. John's. That all burned the Memorial St. Stadium. John's. It was the best trip going to St. John's, and it wasn't you know George Street, of course, but yeah, it was it was the playing in that barn and, and Buddy the Puffin. God, I love watching Buddy the Puffin. He yeah. was entertaining. <laughs> it, yeah just an awesome mascot well it was eddie power it was our buddy eddie power half loaded is what it was <laughs> so no wonder he was entertaining i'm not kidding you and they went to the all-star game one year in portland and uh eddie got eddie got in a fight with uh the kentucky fourth place mascot i forget his name uh just just classic um i mentioned and you just mentioned joel ward listen i yeah. find that fascinating so joel ward who was a good player in the o then yeah. he goes to UPEI, okay, and you, yeah. you would think nothing, not to knock the league you played in, but it's fairly rare to have a guy come out of Canadian University, let alone, let alone, he comes out immediately. This isn't five years later, and he's playing, I think, 11 or 12 games with the Minnesota Wild, and you're yeah. going, wow, is he going to? And then, like, three years later, he has 20 goals in the NHL, and he did it a few times, became very effective. Stanley Cup, oh, I'm God. going, holy shit, Darcy. So was he a fish out of water playing there? And you guys were going, what's going on? Or did he just work hard after it? And you said, oh, that makes sense. No, it's, he, was, he was our best player, of course. He was, I think he, he was, I don't know if he ever got CIS player of the year or not, but 
he was good. There was him and Chris Stanley were both the two. I, I remember that. In 40 odd points, I think. Yeah. And, uh, but that league is good, man. Like there's a lot of guys who go and play East coast. They get, you know, some get to the American league. Jesus. UNB, they took on the, uh, three years ago, maybe they, they played Portland over Christmas. They played the, they played the Portland pirates over Christmas and beat them. Like, those teams are good. There's a Real lot big. of great – everybody's ex-major junior players who didn't crack pro yet. Some of them need a little more development. It's very strong. that The AUS is very strong. But Joel was good. He was better than the rest of us. Um, he was a standout for sure. But uh, he, he just – he wanted it so bad. He kept – you know, even – I was the other, I was coming back from playing pro. I had no ambitions of playing hockey after university. I was there to get my education, using it as a tool to get my education – uh, get it paid for and he was going the other way and i remember the guys asking like you know you think he can can he play pro i was like god damn he can play pro <laughs> he can he can walk into the american league tomorrow and play he if i can play there he can start there like he's going to be that good but um it was it's all about breaks you know that it's if somebody gives you a chance and if you get a chance um the right person sees you see see something they can develop so strong on the boards he's he's like a smaller version of i shouldn't say smaller he's a big guy but um joel played in aus the way yager played in the nhl when he got the puck and he'd stick his big arse out there you couldn't you couldn't take the puck from him he was so strong yeah. and so strong in the boy i think actually barry trotz he was barry trotz had said that about him one time the strongest player he's coached along the boards he was just so strong with the puck and that is a big deal in hockey that's strength yeah. it's one thing to be good and have those skills but once yeah. you get to the NHL, AHL level, I'd almost always, there are the exception, but two guys got the same skill set. One guy's got speed, and I know it's a game of speed now, but you can still be fast and be big, right? You yeah. can still look at all the teams that win every year, oh, yeah. every year. And I know yeah. Tampa have some smaller guys, but think about their D and think about, you know, just, I know there's always going to be some guys, but, you know, if you think about it, even Kucherov, Right, their best player. Well, I mean, you could argue that, but you know, he still uses his body to his advantage a lot. Now, you're always going to have guys like Johnny Goudreau, uh, Braden Point. You're going to have them, but if you don't offset them with guys like Joel Ward, your chances go down. Right, your chances go down. Even Montreal, people say, "Well, Montreal, the speed demons." I no, 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 no. They they were, but think of their team this year. It was a little different, Corey wasn't it? Perry there, yeah, Perry. Those are big guys. Armia is not small, and Anderson. yeah. Big, strong, fast guys. Josh Anderson, right? Uh, yeah. A, a souped-up version of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> souped I'm, up, all right. He's quick. When you went, guy, he's quick, but, when yeah, you he went pro, seven seven hundred and twenty-six games, I think, is what he ended up playing in the NHL. That's a great career. You know, he's done great for. And just a down-to-earth guy. You never ask for a better guy. Still, we, we're still close friends. We text and chat all the time, and. He's coaching now, coaching the American League uh, with the Silver Knights and Henderson. Awesome. So, yeah. Darcy, when you came pro, well, first of all, I just want to know about this camp because not many ninth rounders. There, there's a better chance of a total free agent coming in and signing because of yeah. the, um, because of the the situation. I guess you, you know you don't own the the kid, and, and and if he puts on a show, you're like, I better sign him than a ninth yeah. rounder coming in and signing. And you signed right away. You signed ahead of every pick that I know, except for the first round. So 
that season. So how did that come to be? And what did you think of your first camp? It was, I actually went to Vancouver the year before. So I had, I had one NHL camp under my belt from the year before, but uh, was at camp in, in Whistler with like Messier and Brashear and McGillney and actually McGillney and Bure both sat out that year. Marcus Naslin and them, they both, uh, McGillney and Bure both sat out camp. I think they both sat out camp. One of them might've been there. I can't remember, but anyway, second NHL camp, but first camp in Montreal. Yeah. I knew, like you said, honestly, the draft day, it was, I was an overage draft. I didn't expect to get drafted. I wasn't, I didn't go to the draft. I was going to Ottawa the next day to meet up with my buddies, to party for Canada day. Um, I didn't go. It was in Buffalo. I believe the draft was in Buffalo. Um, I didn't go to it. Didn't think I was going to get drafted. Um, did, did Montreal give you any, day. any idea that they were going to pick you? Nope halfway through the day my agent called larry kelly called he's like i got dallas and detroit both talking signing you so like you said i was going to sign without being drafted if i went through the day without being drafted both of them were talking of signing me uh going to a camp signed to a minor league deal not not a two-way or anything but um and then later on that night he called he said good news and bad news congratulations you've been drafted by the habs said bad news you've been drafted by the Habs <laughs> last round so bad news then, uh, <laughs> so, is it Pierre Mondu maybe I think yeah it was Pierre Mondu he yeah. was he was at mine yours is two years later three years Great later guy, but he can barely speak any English and he calls me and uh I think it's a Pierre Mondu the guy he struggled yeah. speaking English. yeah he, well Pierre he, Mondu uh, well there was Claude Ruel the real old guy oh maybe it was with a squirrely eye well Pierre Mondu lost his eye too but you couldn't really tell there was Pierre Mondu at the time was like, you know, 40 odd years old. He was a pretty good looking cat, played with the Canadians. He was, you know, go out to dinner. He was, he was, he had a bit of, bit of uh, swagger to him. Um, hadn't quite gone gray yet. Claude Ruel was like 70 odd years old. Seemed like, you know, you'd have to give him the password at the end of a bridge to get through. It was that kind of look. And he just used to say, don't put that tomorrow. It might have been him then. One of them, one of them would always call me Forbes Kennedy when they see me. Hey, Forbes Kennedy, you play like Forbes Kennedy. And anyway, one of them called and said after my agent had called and congratulated me on being drafted. But uh, yeah, so I went to went to camp and I think I went to Kitchener first. Uh, we played a few exhibition games and then uh, had to go to Montreal, report to Montreal to go back to Kitchener for the rookie tournament. Remember that? Yeah. Freaking bloodbath! Those blood, bloodbath, blood dude. Uh, oh. I was talking with that oh, and Andrew Peters on. Oh. Who'd you fight in he that mess? It. Yeah, he, he was, was at it. He fought, fought him, dude. Corey Sarich gave me a hip check that yeah. my whole body flipped over in the air, and then the next shift, Peters <laughs> said, "You want to go?" I'm like, but it was one of those. That wasn't anything rare. I just know that from looking at the video. There was, there was like. It was just one of those things. So those that don't know, there would be a rookie tournament. So this one was in Kitchener. It was like us, the Leafs rookies, the Ottawa rookies, I think the Rangers rookies. There was a few. And there was no rules. Buffalo's. But yeah, Buffalo. uh, But there was no rules. You could fight four times. What are you going to get suspended from? Exhibition? And no one cared anyway. They loved it. So just to survive those games, I mean, it must have been hell for people that didn't. The guys like Matt Higgins, not that they were scared or anything, but they weren't in it for that. Those games... The only quick audition that was happening was the fighters. Yeah, it was, it was, those were gong show. And I, I remember going thinking, God, I hope I can keep up. Hope I can, you know, and then I got there and 
After the first couple of games, I was like, oh, I can do this. I can fight all day long. We can, I can, I'll fight two times a game. That's no big deal. Like, but that's what we did. And I remember, uh, you know, a couple of days before I went to training camp in exhibition, we played Sarnia and I fought Shane Kenny, another East Coast yeah. guy. He was up in the O. He's from Orem up though, I believe. Tough guy. And uh, so he and I fought and then we played, I think, I don't remember if he was with Toronto or Buffalo. He was with somebody. And he and I kind of get into it a little bit behind the net. And he's like, let's go. And I turned and looked and the puck was being kept in. So I popped out in front of the net and got a tip or a rebound. Oh, yeah. And, scored. I, I... and he's standing behind the net with his gloves off. So then I was like, ah, poor bugger. So I dropped the gloves. I just scored, dropped the gloves. And then we fought right after I scored. So I you know, scored and then fought him. I felt like I owed him that, the poor bugger. I made him look like a bit of a fool there. But um, yeah, I was going to. Those were nuts. I just remember fighting all the time. We fought everybody. I was going to say, Darcy, I got that on video somewhere. I took out all my videos recently and I went through them. It's really because there's no, there's most, there's no label on because I used to just take them at the end of the year and like mix yeah. and match and some I've never even seen. But that, I was going to bring that up before you did. I got that. You score a goal and you just, and, and you look and you look and you think about it and then you throw your gloves down and go at them and you fight. And the next highlight on the thing is me fighting Peters. Um, and, and I mean, that's just what the video says. You know, I remember, I remember like every whistle, every whistle wondering about, am I going to fight now? Cause people were, it was, it was yeah. fucking nuts. Um, it was, yeah. We ended up playing, remember this, we're about like, as I recall, like two or three weeks into the season and we played in Providence and you ate a whole stick of butter. <laughs> Can you yeah. remember that? I, I don't know why you did it. So yeah, people I, put money in or something. People, we were at a steakhouse. Oh, people put money in. You would always, you were mostly the guy orchestrating all I was. Hey, how much will it take for you to do this? How much to do this? And we'd always be doing. Like, that was, Some of it now would get you arrested. I, I, I used to go to the oh, boys. God, yeah. How much to take your pants off and walk over to the, walk through and order a drink and walk back and just like, you know, shit trying to make people laugh. But I remember that. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, sure. And I was like, okay. So yeah. oh, I, think I don't I know how you felt after that. You ate the whole stick of butter. Afterwards. Not good. No, I was like, I don't know. I might have got seventy-five bucks American. What was your contract for that year? All the Abercrombie and right after that was it. <laughs> the next day, oh uh, yeah, I was. I don't know. I, at that time, that was early in the season. I might have still been on a PTO. I, I think remember. so. I started the season on a PTO. Yeah, so I, I remember going. I remember going, but having no money. I was making two fifty a game and getting my per diem for like the first. We went on a wicked road trip too at the start of that year. Do you remember we we're gone for like eighteen days or something? We were on the road. Yeah, we we, were, we and then not only that, something had happened in Fredericton, and then the UNB had to play as well. So we only came back for like a week, and then we left for like another eighteen days. Yeah, I distinctly crazy. remember that. And you know what did you make as personal? I just meant with the PTO because I remember you were on a PTO at the beginning because yeah, we, we was making chicken feed and having no money. Yeah. And I remember us going to. Uh, we had one day off. I think we went to the off-track betting, maybe. I don't remember where we were. New Haven or Hartford or something. <laughs> New Haven. You placed big money on a couple of couple of races to get back in the black. You were you were down a little bit, I think. And anyway, at the end of it, oh, yeah. we went out to eat and we played the credit card game. And I knew, I didn't have enough money on my credit. I think I had like a five hundred dollar limit or something on my oh, yeah. credit card because I didn't have a contract yet. <laughs> and uh, I remember thinking, I told, I think I told these boys, if I lose this, I can't pay for this meal yet. 
when I sign, I'll pay his all back. But anyway, and you you set it up. You put the credit card maybe in the brim of your hat or something. I taped it. I put it in the brim of the hat, but I taped yours onto the bottom. And then you picked first, so then yours was gone. And then I, everybody else knew that the one taped to the bottom was yours. Yeah. <laughs> so it came out last. <laughs> yeah. So you had no clue pay. either. No, but you had won money. So you had, I think you ended up covering everybody's meal anyway. I was like, boys, I, I can't pay for it. I got 500 bucks in this credit card. That's all I got. You know yeah, how, Darcy, uh, sorry to cut you off. This is um, what happened was, so we went, we went betting on the, on the horses, but, I had lost earlier. I can't remember. I'd, I'd lost because there was only six big ones early. Yes, really that. early. And and one of them, for those that don't know, I mean, you know, there's 10 to, I think, 11, 12 horses in it, like a packed race. But this one, this one, it was, it's a part of, I don't know, something was going on, like some major race. So we were looking, we were simulcast, you know, you go to the casino and you're looking up at the screen and you're betting. So the one that, it dropped down to six horses. I don't think you can go any less than that, but you can still go with six. And Pat Day, who was the best jockey in the world at the time, he was rating the, the number one that was rated number one anyway. So it was rated number one by a landslide. So I looked at everybody. I'm like, Jerry was there. And he, I was like, you know, it, obviously Pat Day has never in the last two years finished out of the top three. And this horse never has finished anything other than one, two. So it's going to show, which means come in the top three. That's all I did. I bet like $2,000 to win like 400. As I said, guys, it's easy. You know it's not going to come forth. And sure enough, it comes around the fucking bend, and the horse goes down. The horse hurt its leg and goes down. And it was out in front by about 200 feet. And I'm going, holy Jesus. It only had to go about first base to second base left. And I was like, oh, fuck. And everything passed him, and he gets back up, and he wills himself over the line. Pat Day comes crashing down, and it's a photo finish for third. And Jerry's next to me just laughing. Jerry's loving this because he convinced me to do it anyway, and we got a buzz on. So... And it turns out my horse lost. So then I went over it and I just said, and Ash was with me and Ash wasn't making much either at the time. Um, and we just went over to the, uh, what was it? The roulette wheel. And I put everything I lost on black and fuck sure enough. I, I won. And there was a couple of girls close by and they're like, who are you guys? Like it looked like I was being a big wheel, but I swear to you, that was one of a half dozen days I've ever spent in a casino. And, um, Anyway, they came over and we're like, oh, we're the Montreal Canadiens, not the Fredericton, right? Because we had our, our team symbol looked like the Montreal Canadiens. So anyway, they came with us and I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get the meal anyway. Um, but anyway, that's how that happened. Glad, good, glad it's your interview. Um, <laughs> what do you remember about living next door to us in uh, oh Frederick Lane? Oh, my God. My, favorite, my, my biggest memory of living next door to you and Milo is the banging Milo's bedroom and my, we live in townhouse. For those who don't know, we live in townhouses in, in Fredericton called Frederick Lane. And if you look at, if you ever there know where we're talking, it's, it looks like Sesame Street or it looks like the Smurf Village, little all red and blue, yellow townhouses in behind McGinnis Landing or the keg, whatever it is now. I don't know. So there's a bunch of us lived in there and I lived with JF Wool, who we mentioned earlier and Terry lived beside me with Milo's Lab Buren. And I remember like Milo and I's headboards would have been whatever the studs and the walls apart. And I remember parties at your place. Well, we shouldn't be talking with this, but parties at your place. Oh, you can't. People like banging 
Milo, boom, 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 Milo, boom, 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 banging on the walls. You could hear it in my house, but uh, and he'd sing. Remember, he'd sing. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to take it. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to take it. But he'd sing it in Czech. Yeah. Bonapasibeki. Hey, Nino Glenke, something yeah. like that. <laughs> singing, my God, that's in Fredericton. Some of my best memories are on our our back deck. There, we had those back decks offer thing the, the spring days that came spring came earlier that year we played late that year too we went right to the semifinals right yeah and uh time. i remember us having barbecues and beers in the back deck i remember me being me struggling that year because i didn't play a lot and i came from kitchener where i got to play all i got to do what i want really and i was struggling a bit so i remember it was a good stretch there a week or more where Spend a lot of time over at your place. We'd play dictionary or scrabble or whatever and have beers and uh blowing off the girlfriend too many nights in a row to to count because I was just I just was kind of getting in the middle of the year there. I was getting a little frustrated, but uh, uh great times in that that Fredericton time. Uh, a lot of fun. One of the best years I've ever I've ever had playing hockey for sure. A lot of fun. It was right across from uh, Sweetwaters, too, and there, there was a couple yeah. bars that it was close to. There was Dolan's was right there, Sweetwaters, the, the upper, upper deck, deck. and then yeah. just down the road was the Rock and Rodeo, and they had the, yeah. the, the Rock and Rodeo I loved because it was more country than anything. Um, yeah. not, not that I don't Dead like other music. Stone, but it was the videos. Remember the whole wall at yeah. Rock and Rodeo was a, was a video screen. Yeah. And so and they pumped they the videos. Have, their crystal ball, was it not a saddle? Yeah. It was. And then for, for a little while, they had a mechanical bull. <laughs> and, you know, there was only about five Western Leaguers on our team. And, you know, I'm one of them, but I, I wasn't necessarily into mechanical bulls. I just found it a wild bar. Like in Freddie, it was just yeah. a good time. Every time you went in there, you had a good time. And there was somewhere to go every night. We were yeah. young. Um, and I used to we have young. people. Yeah, we used to have people over afterwards. The whole team. My, our little area was where most of the guys if there was a get together, I mean, you know, we'd go there to watch whether it was a football game or, or, or if we just wanted to party or whatever. I remember, I remember it being great because there is a click and yeah. sometimes that's unintentional. You got a bunch of people that speak English, a bunch of pe more people that speak French, which is kind of a rarity in pro to have so many people on one team speak French. And then, you know, there was guys like Milo and, and that didn't, uh, and Jan, oh, God, I forget. We had a couple, uh, Alessi Lachkin, Loikin. Yeah, the boys are Russian, Czech Republic. I mean, they barely spoke English. So, yeah. get every Bashkarov. I mean, he did. Did yeah. he speak? I don't know if he had vocal uh, cords. Holy freak! He so, he was he was living. In, I, don't get me wrong. I love that. I love Bash. But uh, the next year, I think it was the next year after Fredericton when we were in Quebec. Uh, Montreal had a lot of injuries. I ended up playing with Bashkaroff and Mike Ribeiro for a short period of time on their top line. They needed somebody to kind of yeah. watch over. Bash, oh my God, I couldn't understand him. He'd been living over here for years, playing North American hockey for years. I can't speak any Russian, so I can't say anything. But he'd be like, Desi, Desi, you go. I, hey? yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, sounds good, Bash. No idea what he was talking about. But and he played he in like Fort Wayne, Indiana. Like, what are you speaking yeah. there? You know, there's not too many Russians. That's one guy who I think should have been an NHLer. Mm. He, his shot and his speed alone, but he, you know, he had all the tools. I'm not sure about his toolbox. I think he, he might, may not quite have understood the game well enough to, to, to stay in the NHL, but he, he had the tools, man. 
I tell you this. I remember being up. Um, we were, uh, me and Ash were called up. So we were the fifth line, and we were practicing in Montreal, and Bash was up with us. And again, like we'd go through practice and everything, and he would look like one of the better players. Oh, Serious. Yeah. Like he, he had the strength, he had and the speed, but it was that agility, and he was so low to the ground, big legs yeah. on him. But I remember like just weird, like we were in the like. He left the middle of practice to go use the can. And but he didn't tell anybody. And it was while Vigno was explaining something, you know, it was just he was just one of those. Like you said, no toolbox. You're like, you look, I don't care what fucking language you speak. Just go tell somebody, or, you know, you don't just leave when and then when he, he got back, you're right. He couldn't explain it. We tried to explain it to him why you don't do that. And he just kept saying, I had to use I had to use bathroom. I, I'm like, yeah, but, you know, the fucking head coach is looking at you explaining this like we, you know, it was just weird. Then he came back and fucked it all up and. Everything that was within his control, he seemed to pick, you know, he seemed to do wrong, whether it was be late for the bus. And he wasn't a boozer. It would would just be late late for the bus or or he would get lost on the way to practice or be late (laughs) for the plane. You know, it was just he didn't play his cards right. That guy. No, no. And things would be taken as disrespectful, but he didn't mean to be disrespectful. Oh, no, not at all. No, just 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 a scatterbrain, basically. Yeah. Yeah, a scatterbrain that it's one thing to be a scatterbrain I'm a bit of a scatterbrain and the odds are against you when that, but to be a scatterbrain from a place with a completely different language and never to catch like it was just hard for him to communicate so to, was, to, yeah. to be all over the place and not be able to communicate must be I mean looking back now there probably would have been you know someone probably would have sent him to see the team therapist but at the time, it was yeah, voluntary absolutely. and no one really wanted to do it. But I'm sure it would have. I mean, I would have. I would have said, hey, go see Wayne or whatever. At the time, no one wanted to talk about mental health issues, right? It was like, don't <laughs> don't ever admit that you spent one minute talking to the team psychologist unless it's like, how you doing? <laughs> different times. Different times. Then. Um, so then you go through. I I ended up leaving. You go back to Quebec City. How was that experience playing in the Colisee? I always, I found that very intriguing. You guys went there as this minor league team, Montreal's farm team. Yet just a few years before, there's a huge uh, rivalry between the Quebec Nordiques and the Montreal Canadiens. They would never want the Montreal's prospects to go anywhere inside the building, let alone be be playing yeah. there. So, but you seem to have some loyal fans, and you're playing in this rink that, you know, like the. The, the, the form was torn down. So it was Quebec's last remaining cathedral. If, yeah. if you want to use hockey as a metaphor to religion. So how was that experience? I never did ask you. It was, I loved playing in Quebec. I loved like playing in the Colisee. It was awesome. Uh, the experience of living in Quebec city uh, was, it was challenging at times, but we made the best of it. Uh, if you thought Fredericton was, this is not a knock against the guys and the team, I guess, but if you thought it was a little clicky in Fredericton, it got a little worse in, in uh, Quebec. Just oh, I bet. didn't see like a lot of the French guys had, not all of them, but a lot of the French guys had their own, you know, had their own kind of stuff going on where the English guys, we didn't, we didn't always, but um, a bunch of us lived up in Stoneham together. A uh, little ski resort north of the city. We had a great time. Great, great year. But things were, it was a little harder. I didn't speak great French. I learned quite a bit and I could understand more than I could speak. But, um, you know, I only had a couple of, you had like maybe two English movies to choose from a week. And uh, we used to do sushi on Tuesday nights. So you got a bunch of English guys in a 
in a <laughs> in a sushi restaurant in Quebec trying to order oh, <laughs> trying boy. to order Japanese food and French. And, but I remember you, you could take beer in with you. You could take your own case of beer in with you and, and drink it right there at the table. But we had uh, it was it was fun. The Colisee was awesome. We had a pretty good team, um, good guys. You know, we had uh, it was it was a decent year. But again, I hate to harp on about Terry was our head coach. Um, Jerry was there. That Jerry didn't come to Quebec. Yeah, Jerry did. First he was year, checked Jerry out, though. As soon as Jerry knew, yeah. Jerry was applying all over the world. He wanted yeah. to get out for not only for Tarian reasons. I mean, I can't, but but no, Jerry just but wanted. He wanted, Jerry, he wanted to be head coach. Yeah, he yeah. Jerry had his sights set well beyond where he was at that time. So, I found I think even he'd say he mentally checked out towards the end in Quebec, like you would. I mean, yeah, you know, he wanted to be a head coach, like you said. Um, so, what finally? led to your decision to say, you know what, I'm going to retire from pro and I'm going to go back to school. Well, the first half of that year in Quebec, I had, I had every opportunity to do better than I did. I, I didn't have, you know, I had a chance to play more. Um, I just wasn't, I wasn't putting up many points, but I was still, you know, still fighting everybody that I had to and stuff. I was playing well, but just wasn't seeing results. Like I wasn't, I, yeah. I kind of thought the next year I might get, I wasn't going to score a lot of points, but I thought I might get, you know, 15, 20 points maybe if I played the full season. 10 goals, uh, 10 assists, 60 games played, 200 minutes. That's what I would see successful. 10 goals, 10 assists, if you can get that. Yeah, but I think I only played like the first part of the year. I played a lot, but then first game after Christmas break, separated my shoulder, um, was forechecking. Jamie Hoscroft kind of stuck the stick out, tripped me, just right at the goal line as I was chasing a guy behind the net in Portland. Into the boards, head first, separated my shoulder. Missed, like, close to... I, they debated whether to pin it or not, so I missed a lot of time with that. Just come back, started playing, might have played five or six more games, and I had gotten in a fight with Jason Bowen, broke my eye socket, cheekbone, and that was it for the rest of the season. I was done for the rest of the season. I had surgery orbital bones broke there's a wire mesh in my nose took cartilage from my nose put in my eye socket vacuumed out my sinuses got a metal plate in my face so then the start of the the next season like i said jerry fleming wasn't there anymore um and jerry was always a big he was he he liked how i played and was always pushing for me to get in games and play more i wasn't supposed to be fighting had to wear a half visor i was 10 games in i think i only dressed three games so i had talked to Terry and them about it and they said to discuss it like I was I was wanting I don't know I don't know what I wanted I was looking for a trade I guess talked to my agent anyway long story short basically what Montreal said as well you want to play more we'll send you to the East Coast League and I thought fuck that I'm not going I'm not going down because I didn't know if I'd ever get back up and if I then I didn't know what I'd do after I still had the chance to go back to school I would have three years of eligibility the better part of three years of eligibility I was always a very smart guy. I go to school and I and teach. I guess teaching was always something kind of on my radar through hockey schools and stuff. So I, I had placed a few calls myself and I knew there was interest there. I could go back and play basically anywhere I wanted. UPEI, St. FX, UNB, anywhere, St. Mary's. I could have, could have kind of picked where I went. So I decided I'd go back to school. So I had, I had to sit out a year. It was the only thing. So I went home and uh, went home. I think it was actually, I went to the Halloween party. Uh, we had our Halloween party at the Molson Brewery, and the next day, I my girlfriend was there. I put her on the plane in the morning, 
And when I dropped her at the airport, I just drove home, got in the truck and drove home. And I think it was November 1st, I believe. And uh, I went to UPEI, started there in January for a half year. And I was only getting the start on my education. I still hadn't decided where I was going to play hockey. Uh, played senior hockey. We won a maritime championship that year. And because I had to sit out a full year before I could play university. So I wanted to keep playing hockey. I practiced with UPI. I knew the coaches, Doug Curry, Jeff Squires, coached me before. Doug had me for Canada Games. Um, so I started practicing with them. And once you start practicing with a group of guys and hanging out with them at school, yeah. I'm not leaving. You know, the next year I could have went, UNB was hosting the Nationals, could have went and played at UNB. St. Effects at the time was a powerhouse, could have played there, but didn't want to leave the boys at UPI. Yeah, a couple of good newfies on there, Warren Hefford, Ryan Power, Cleon Smith, your old buddy Cleon. We lived together, God rest his soul. But yeah, um, they were, it was a great group, great group of guys. That is a great group. And, and I know a lot that played on your team just from <clears throat> um, just being around and visiting PEI in the summer. But those uh, three that you mentioned from here are, uh, Great fellas. Ryan Power, I still say, is one of the fastest players I've ever seen with my own eyes. Uh, he's a great trainer over here now, too, right? Like, yeah. Trained, power conditioning. Uh, yeah. Power conditioning, Alex Newhook, and, and, and you know, on yeah. down the list. But um, really, I'm, I'm glad because he he loved hockey. And I still say, uh, such a fast player that I think if, you know, for a lot of times, guys like that, like you said, it, it's the luck of the draw. So, He's good enough. He, someone could have made him into an effective penalty killer. So there's there's Definitely. no doubt. He was too fast not to be. Now, yeah. so if, if you get the right coach and, and maybe someone gets hurt and you're with an organization, you get up for a few games, um, you know, maybe things work out differently. But I'm glad he's still involved like he is because he loved the game so much that it would be a shame for him not to give back. Now, you're yeah. still at Jersey. it. You're, oh, yeah. Those yeah. good players too, yeah. Great, great, uh, and he's really got his finger on the pulse. People respect him too. Um, I, I, everybody off that team that I know, and I, I don't know Joe Ward, but I met him. He came over here a few times. Real, real humble yeah. dude. Seems, um, seems like a real positive and, and good-minded kid person. Uh, so, you know, I, th I think you made the right decision. Look where you are now. You're loving life. You're, you know, outside of those terrible tragedies you told me about. I, I mean, you're generally where you are in life you're a teacher you've got a great family you live where you want to live you've got these stories of pro hockey that we could talk about for for days you you've, you've some of the coaches you've told me about i mean a lot of people want to go through life and wish and hope that they can have one teacher or motivator like the people that you mentioned and we've both got a half dozen to a dozen that really yeah. made an impact that we were fortunate to come across because of this beautiful game. Um, yeah. So I find that uh, if, if nothing else, really satisfac satisfactory. Um, yeah. Myself, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it leaves you feeling content. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of people didn't play more games, whatever they might've done, played more years and who knows if they're as content. Right. So, What's the point of life? Well, it's to be happy. Well, that's that's the, the main goal, right? And and I I owe I owe a good part of what I have to to hockey and the experiences we had. Like, geez, man, we went to I love horse racing. So we got to go to Churchill Downs and watch the Breeders' Cup. We got to go to Fenway, watch Red Sox Yankees at Fenway Park. <laughs> those kinds of things only because I was playing hockey. Never would have had those experience all kinds of experiences through hockey and friends friends all over the world. 
got to travel, you know, all over North America, got to all those great things. And, and even, you know, one of the main reasons I went to Memorial for my education degree is because, well, it was a one-year program, but I knew you were over there and, and I was looking for something different. I had been at UPI for a couple of years, so I thought, why not go over to Memorial, spend a year there, see Terry, hang out there and, and uh, met my wife over there. And, you know, they just things that lead you different places. I kind of wish I would have played uh, senior when I was over there at the Royals. I know I, I had the chance to, but I just thought school was going to be too heavy, but um, just loved, loved. And, and that your family took me in when I went over there, lived, with, lived in your house. lived with, uh, lived with You literally, house. people want to visit senior's basement. You literally lived. I, I in lived it. in senior's basement. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. I like the Friday nights there were great. And that's one thing I know. I think I mentioned it to you before, but, I do owe your family a lot that you, you took me in over there. I was just planning on crashing for a couple of days, but oh my god, my dude. dad being who That's they fun. are, they wouldn't they wouldn't let me. They're, when I got there, they're like, no, no, you just stay here. And I was like, no, I'll just need a place to crash where I look for an apartment. No, you're gonna stay here, and they wouldn't let me go. And I'm, I'm glad they didn't. We had a great time. And oh uh, god, yeah, right don't. Away, you- I think- that's the, the way they are. There, you're right away. You're like, hey, we're going up to, to Don Cherry's, and you introduced me to friggin' Mooney was there and Rope Dog and Spock. You know, <laughs> Spock walked right into a to a group of friends. You know, go over to Newfoundland, not really knowing anybody, and right away I got a group of friends to hang out with, which is was a big was what I was nervous about because I always had a hockey team to play with, and I was going to Newfoundland where I didn't know anybody, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to find new friends, like meet and anyway. <laughs> Right away, walked in and had your friends. Yeah. So, right. Uh, it was it, it was an unbelievable time. We I, I cherish those memories. That was a lot of fun when you were here. Do you know where Rope Dog is now? Yes, he's with the Leafs. Yes, he's got man. So he, I mean, he was he was still so he was our our equipment manager when I won the Herder in 2013. So he was still here then. Then the next year he went to Midget AAA, but he went down south. I never heard of you got to fucking love his determination because players do it, but you don't often hear of like an equipment manager or a trainer no. moving to go into it. I mean, you'd, you'd hear it go to the NHL or something who, who wouldn't want to do yeah. that, but, but you don't hear of it. And he moved down. He went, he, give him his fucking credit, man. He went down to the Southern professional league in Columbus and he put his time in and he, we got, you know, that Norfolk needed a guy from there and they were in the East coast league. He went there and then one thing led to another. Robbie Fatorik was his, his coach there. And they hung out, and Roper knows the game. He's not just doing sticks because, you know, he's great to have around because he's a good, positive guy, good Atlantic Canadian. But he also knows the game if you really want to run something by him, right? So he, anyway, one thing led to another, and he met Lou Lamorello through Robbie Fatorek. And then, you know, I'm from there, it's just for a guy like Rope Dog, it's like Jeremy Charles. Great chef, unbelievable, one of the best in the world. But no wonder that he moved up the ladder because you meet people and, you know, you're, you're personable, outgoing individual you know you, you'll probably yeah. get rewarded for all your hard work anyway that's where he is now he's coming home next week i can't wait to see him well, say hi to him for me great guy uh, i got some rapid fire randoms are you all right are we you got a little bit you got five more minutes oh yeah i'm ready for this i was, can't wait for this part okay good stuff <laughs> here we go one thing you would change about your hockey career if you could. This is a total hypothetical world. I don't mean like, oh, you, you in order to win the Stanley Cup. I just mean maybe there was some day that you got a bad haircut. Or if there was one thing. 
maybe not say yes to fighting Jason Bowen that time when he broke my eye socket and cheekbone. Might have lasted a little bit longer if I didn't. What? He's a tough guy. I played junior with him. I was 15. He was uh, coming back at 20, so he went on to camp. But, yeah, he was just – he. He didn't just, fight that often, but he was tough. Eh? He was yeah, a big guy. Very tough. In I the Western League, him. he was known as one of the toughest. Wouldn't yeah. like, like Larry Robinson in the NHL, you'd just hear about it, you wouldn't see it much, but then when it happened, it was like, oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Now people can watch that on YouTube. It doesn't look as bad as it felt. Actually, I don't I don't remember feeling it. It broke severed nerves yeah. in my face, too, but... Yeah, he, my first game that I ever saw on Major Junior, I went out west. And I was playing in Cornell, as you know, and Tri-City said, come on down to Kamloops. And I went, and he did what he did to you, to a guy, Craig Bonner, and he broke his face, and it bled all. It was the worst punch I've seen, and I ended up playing hundreds of games in the league. But, no, Bonner would – hey, you might not fight for 30 games, and when he does, watch out. So it wasn't rare what happened to you. Do you think there's aliens out there? Yeah, I do. I think there's – now, what you say, there's life – on other planets now what the, i don't know i don't think look or talk or can fly here but there <laughs> i think there's got to be life somewhere out there solar systems too where the universe is too big it's a great answer um and you know there are some odd things going down now in uh the united states that got a got a ufo report did you hear about this recently i well i knew that they were that they were going to release information but i never actually read yeah what was so all the, yeah it's pretty intriguing actually it's like these things that move they got footage of it and they're they're moving at from zero to like a thousand miles an hour in the blink of an eye and things that we can't do here and it's just a very i'm not saying that that's not has nothing to do with the question a better question would have been as you said do you think there's life on other planets because it can take any form people that have this yeah. idea of you know evolution just you know most things on earth have what two eyes and four limbs but it just it just worked that way because yeah. that's the way shit happened here it could be a mountain could be talking on fucking <laughs> you know some other far away galaxy far far away whatever um choose a door Door number one, a sword fight with Darth Vader. Now, sword fight. Now, you figure, right, he can he can swing a lightsaber, but maybe he can't. Maybe he doesn't know much about swords, but I'm guessing he does. But it's a sword fight with Darth Vader. Number two, a flighting challenge with William Shakespeare. Back in the day, it was almost like a flighting was almost like uh, freestyle rap. Like freestyle rap. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's would you? It, but back in the day, they would call it flighting, and it would be more poetry. So, between door number one, sword fight with Darth Vader. Door number two, flighting challenge with William Shakespeare. Oh. Door number three, a boxing match with Mike Tyson. Right now, so he's older, but he's still Mike Tyson. And door number four, a hot air balloon ride across the country. Not necessarily even that dangerous, but the word I've gone in one hot air balloon and I said, take me the fuck down immediately as it was going up. It was part of this like carnival ride when I was playing in, in Boise and it terrified me. And I said, I can't, I'm all right on a plane. I don't like heights, but dangling around in a basket. Oh my God. Just it's over. I, I, I had to like get right down. I put my whole body on the floor. I didn't want to see out. I didn't want to know that I could even, there was a chance I was going to fall over the edge. I'm serious. I had them take me right oh, down. I, I, I wouldn't even get in one. I, I'm terrified okay. of heights. That, that would terrify me. That one's out. I know that's the safe one. It's out. Ah, great. That's uh, me too. A lot of people would pick that. Okay, so which one? Fight with Darth Vader. It's here. I'd die. It's a sword fight. I, I don't think I could beat him, so I'll probably pass on that. I'm not a good wordsmith, but Mike Tyson, man, he could bust your ribs easy enough. I don't know. I, could, but you know you'd come out of it. 
take the word fight, but I, I'd probably go with Tyson instead. <laughs> just to say you did it. Yeah, well, I guess I, I, I put no consequence. So if it was just for a laugh, I mean, I guess you'd take the words. But yeah, you're right. There's got to be a consequence. Put it this way. Your best odds of, of coming out of it on top. And I know it's Mike Tyson, but who knows? He might fight. You're not you're definitely not beating Shakespeare with anything to do with words. I mean, I'm not saying I would. I wouldn't. Sword fight with Darth Vader. You see him going with those and, and Darth Vader can be like 500 years old and still be alive. So aging doesn't affect him. Hot air balloon, like you said, is out. So I think it really only is the boxing match and hope that Tyson didn't train hard. <laughs> I don't think I'm winning anything. I'm just trying to come out of it without dying. But if I do, it's a great story. What's yeah, your Tyson what, busted them up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's your ringtone? Uh, it's it's a ringtone. It's not a song. It's actually a ringtone, and it's annoying and loud because I don't often hear it. I don't I don't have my phone with me all the time, so I, I need to hear it. Like, <laughs> if you had okay, so you have to change the color of the ocean. You have to. What color do you change it to? Uh, orange. Orange. I like orange. I like orange. It is, you know, green came to mind, but then the grass is green and the ocean is green. It wouldn't look right. It wouldn't look right. Yeah. Orange. You know, that's interesting. I like orange. It'd look a little bit weird, but red would look like lava. I, I think that's yeah. a good call. Yeah, your favorite pizza toppings. <laughs> You're not going to like it. I love ham and pineapple, mushrooms. I like a Hawaiian pizza. Hey, it's, a lot of people don't like it, but I'm one of those. I mean, I, I think pineapples do taste good on pizza. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, would you go to the bottom of the ocean if given the opportunity? You're talking in a sub, right? Like in a. <laughs> I'm talking, yeah, but I, I, I think it's only been done very rarely, if ever. And it's the Marianas Trench, I think it's called, the deepest. Oh, yeah. There's things yeah. down there that you don't know. I don't know. in a man. So I don't to go down that deep. I don't think, but if you could, yeah, for sure. I'd go. I'd like do you find it. that crazy that we know more about the moon and yeah. seemingly space, although we don't really know everything we know about space, but everything that we want to in our solar system, we figured it out for the most part, but we still have no idea what goes on at the bottom of the ocean. Don't you find that incredible? Pretty tough to, pretty tough to explore when you can't quite get there, but yeah, I do. You should hide. You could, couldn't you hide Mount Everest in the mirror? I don't know how deep yeah. the trench is. I think you could hide Mount, Mount Everest is what, 29,000 feet? Something like that. I'm pretty sure you could hide Mount Everest in the trench. I could be wrong. And pre and there's pressure with that, right? So you, oh, yeah. I don't know at what point, but the reason they can't get down there is because of all the pressure. I mean, we only, it's easy. Crushes, whatever's yeah. there. It was easier to build things to go through the atmosphere and out than it was to go down. Which forever, I'll never get used to that. Um, would you go into space if given the opportunity? Oh, for sure. I couldn't afford one of the flights that they have. I know I'm terrified of heights, but being in a plane doesn't seem to bother me. Um, I think I would put up with the fear perhaps to go, like just watching this past week with um, everybody going into space and their, their flights there, uh, Bezos. And, and, yeah, I saw uh, that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, for sure. Love to do that. I'm fascinated. And at first, when I heard those guys were going, I thought they were. I'm really, I'm really intrigued. I would really want to go in space, but go out in like with the space suit on and go outside and then the spacewalk. I don't think I could pull that off. Um, but, but um, 
doing what they did, what I saw, I, I, I'm pretty intrigued. Yeah, I, I think I think that's bigger than people are giving it credit for. People are like going, well, it was only X amount, whatever it was, only 10 minutes or only five. I'm going like my great grandmother literally had to wait for a horse to go to the store, the grocery market to hopefully get some milk. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? She was born in 1900. Then by the time she's 70 years old, people are walking around on the moon. You like, think of what they've seen. Yeah, if you were born, you know, yeah, like I don't know now. You'd have to like in the '40s, I guess. But you were born during World War II, and you you see now, like the, the just even the last 30, 40 years, the changes in technology. Some people have seen a lot of the stuff. Pretty tough and to the, the changes in technology and culture, like yeah, it's why. And I get everything that happens. I, I get the. Um, uh, the LGBTQ pride days. I get the marches. I get black lives matter. I get it all. Um, and I'm not talking about that. People need rights and civil rights and we're all equal. I, I get it. But in terms of like political correctness, I always find it funny when people go back to like 1980s and judge, like, I don't know, Don Cherry on something he said, like, cause you're like, like yeah. these people are 90. Like, just, just think about when they were born, what the ideals were right or wrong. Right. But they were born at a completely, completely yeah. different time. Like it's just in my mind, um, I will always, I won't be able to see past my favorite classic rock bands. I, I'm open to everything else. But if you interview me in 30 years and I say that the Beatles are the best band and everybody else laughs, you just got to understand when I was born, which yeah. was, I still think the Beatles are going to transcend it. And I was born after them, but you know what I mean? Let's just say green yeah. day, right? Like, so, I'm not saying either. I'm not talking that people need to be racist or, or none of that. I'm not talking about that stuff. I just mean generally with the sensibilities of the culture. Like, you know, we're in a great spot now, but we weren't always there. So attitudes no, change. We're, we're going to look back at stuff we do now and think, what? Fighting in hockey. You did that? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. There, there's um, lots of things we do now that in 30, 40 years, we're going to look back and say, what are you thinking? Darcy, look at these coaches that like – even when I say shit about Tyrion, but I mean, he was taking, he was taking that playbook from all kinds of other coaches. And now a couple of years ago when shit happens and we have come a long way, people go, Hmm, you know, maybe hazing wasn't a good idea. Maybe these coaches, you know, not feeding the players after the game as punishment wasn't a great idea, but you know, at yeah. the time it's flying and you're just going to do what you're going to do. And if I didn't think much of it and I was a player, then it's hard to penalize these guys now, all these years, unless, you know, certain things are criminal, but outside of that, you know, attitudes change. Um, your favorite restaurant that you've ever been to. Oh, you got to take uh, PEI out of that equation because, you know, yeah. I always try to be nice to locals. But your favorite restaurant that you've ever been to. Okay, because we have some awesome restaurants. Charlottetown's yeah. loaded with great restaurants. But um, <laughs> that's a good one. Weinstein and Gavin O's in Montreal was one of my favorites. Love that uh, place. Crescent Street, right? Crescent Street. Yeah. Yeah, great place. Tortellini uh, Rosé. Yeah. We had that some lot there. Yeah, we did. Um, they had some peanut butter. What was the thing we used to get for appetizers, too? They had peanut butter skewers or something, wasn't it? Peanut butter skewers and the chicken pizza. Yeah. The, the, the other thing before you go on, as prospects, it was great because we got to go to Montreal a lot. Some 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 camps were small at the time. Um, some 
teams never got to even go near like Lowell never went near LA, you know, no. like us being Fredericton, we got to play the odd game in the forum. We went up there, oh, we yeah. got a few, pra- you know, it was, we, they really made you feel like part of the organization. So we got stories yeah. from the actual Montreal um, yeah. when we were in Fredericton, right. Which not, all, not every minor league guy can say that. No. And my second year when we were in Quebec city, we, I, I'm sure I was in Montreal for a month for camp. It was so long. <laughs> <laughs> it was the longest, longest camp ever. Like the first year we went up to my, my first year, we were in Tremblant. For Tremblant yeah. We went to, we went to Kitchener for the rookie tournament, come back, went to main camp in Tremblant. The second year we did uh hall. I think was the Lavano hall. We had rookie tournament in hall back to Montreal and it seemed to go on forever. Like they just they didn't cut people for a long time. I don't know if, Quebec wasn't ready. Well, they were loving. Well, it was, it was, they were affiliated with Quebec. I'm, I'm sure yeah. having everybody in Quebec would make, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was a week tacked on to each end of it. Put it that way. Yeah. It was, it was um, yeah. That was one of my favorites. There was, uh, I don't know the name, but remember we used to go, there was a steakhouse we used to go to in Providence too. It was awesome. Yeah. But awesome. I think that's where you ate the butter. Yeah, I think it was actually. I, I don't remember, but that would definitely be in one of mine. I'll, I'll figure it out. I wonder if it's still there. It wasn't a far walk from the hotel. No, no, it wasn't. We, it was, put it this way. Every single time I played in Port, at Providence, I ate there. I don't know if yeah. there's anywhere else I can say that about the place, you know? Yeah. Um, death Row, what's your cellar? last meal? The, the cellar, is it still open in St. John's? No. Great spot. No, but no. That, that was a good. That was a good spot. Too. It was. But Jeremy Charles came in and changed oh, yeah. the landscape. Well, you know, Jeremy is one of your buddies, but when he came in, it changed the landscape. Not, not that I don't think that necessarily changed the cellar because it was a great spot. And who knows, man? I heard it came back. It might, it might have moved. It's not where it was. I think it might be coming, but there's so many new restaurants and everything here now. It'd be hard to make a go of it because. Uh, and when I say new, I mean since Merchant Tavern and Raymond's came on the scene and Mallard yeah. Cottage, and it just went from there. Um, death row. What would your last meal be? Who? Uh, my mother's lasagna. Some good. Um, I might have to go with my mother's lasagna. That okay. or, or a good steak. Be nice too. But let's just yeah. say your mother's lasagna. Yeah. Favorite TV comedy ever. Um. Cheers. Maybe Cheers. Seinfeld. The Office. Uh, not all, all they're all uh, good picks. Uh, Leafs will make the second round of the playoffs next season. True or false? Yes, true. I'll say true. Uh, King Kong or Godzilla? King Kong. Your most prized possession? Ooh. Um, holy freak. I, I, I have a it sounds foolish, but I have, there's a golf book I have here. It was my grandfather's. So, uh, it's one of the only things I have from him. I, I maybe that, maybe my, uh, my grandfather's golf book. Great answer. Uh, such an Atlantic Canadian answer. Um, favorite Muppet. <laughs> uh, Fozzie. Love Fozzie, man. Just, yeah. just love him. He tries so hard and he's funny. Yeah. He's funny and he's not for the reasons that he wants, but he's still funny. Well, um finally play on a line with one player in history who would it be i was a huge mario fan i'd I'd probably have to say mario 
I was a huge Mario fan as well. I always leave with a song, and Darcy, this 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 particular song is from Thirty Eight Special. So the years go on and on, but nothing's lost or won. What you learned is soon forgotten. Uh, they take the best years of your life, try to tell you wrong from right, but you walk away with nothing. Teacher, teacher, can you teach me? Can you tell me all I need to know? I bring it up because you now are a teacher. The only line I would change would be you walk away with something because you certainly do. But they are the best years of your life when you're going through all that. And looking back, I don't think we really realized it, but they're certainly some of the best years of my life. And now here you are. You're, you're not only teaching in the uh, school, but you're teaching on ice and uh, you've used your wisdom and your experience to the best of your advantage. Thank you very much for coming on today. I appreciate it. You're one of my best friends in the world and I hope to see you soon. Well, thanks so much, Terry. And uh, love to love to catch up again. I can't wait to get back to Newfoundland one of these days. I'm heading over. See you and Miles. <laughs> okay. Well, it, I know that we, we shall see each other in the next few months one way or the other because I think I got a trip lined up to PEI very shortly. Okay, perfect. Let me know. I certainly will. I'll stay tuned and I'll shoot you a note soon. Thanks again for doing it, Darius, and have a great weekend. No problem. You too. And there you have it. Darcy, the animal, Harris, love it. Um, Darcy is, needless to say, one of my lifelong friends and, uh, well, half lifelong, but goes back to when we were 20, 21 years old. Uh, just a, a beautiful dude, beautiful individual, loves life. And uh, like I said, one of my favorite people. We got the NHL draft coming up. Um, Outside of the Kraken last night, the expansion, I, I'm really excited about that. There's not much to talk about, and it's a slow time of year, so uh, I'm going to take off now. Um, encourage everybody in St. John's to get out, no matter where. I mean, we'd love to have you down at TJ's, and TJ's patio is popping this time of year. Green Sleeves always has great live music, Green Sleeves downtown and uptown. Uh, Wedgwood Cafe. Check it out. They're catering. They got a wicked spot on Elizabeth Avenue. Uh, my good buddy, Peter Wedgwood, is the chef. And Penny Posh, you know, uh, women's wear reimagined. Just check it out if you're interested. We'll give you a great deal on a hoodie. I highly recommend them. We uh, still get compliments on them, and I'll throw in a book and a picture for the right price. If you want a book uh, or a hoodie, uh, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. And, uh, 20, Terry Ryan, yeah, 2020 at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, the book, 25 bucks plus shipping. And I'll uh, I'll throw in a picture and a couple of bookmarks, whatever. But uh, outside of those things, I'm going to take off. And uh, got my second vaccine the other day. Um, things are turning the corner here in Newfoundland. And it seems the world. Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm glad that... Uh, the super team didn't win it this year. It was nice to keep everybody honest. And I love Giannis's comments at the end of the game pertaining to that. If you don't know much about basketball, check it out. Milwaukee, right? The juggernaut, the powerhouse, the metropolis of Milwaukee winning the NBA championship. I love to see it. I love to see it. This has been Tales with TR, episode 62 with Darcy Harris. Thanks, Darcy. Thanks to everybody for listening. I'm TR, and I'll see you again next week. Catch you on the rebound.